Ortho, 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 where that book, Contemporary Orthodontics by Prophet, now really matters and comes to light. Stay tuned as we talk to a, a first year PGY1 first year ortho resident about how she got into ortho residency. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Dr. Darwin, a new dentist coach for another episode of Ask Dr. Darwin on the New Dentist Podcast Show, where we talk about getting into dental school, getting into residency, and then life as a new dentist. Guys, be sure that you are subscribing and liking and commenting on this content that's been helping a lot of people over the last six years. All right, so subscribe, like, share. Sharing is caring as well. Also, this episode of Ask Dr. Darwin is being brought to you by GetIntoDentalResidency.com. Right here, GetIntoDentalResidency.com, the ultimate resource to help you match and get selected into your top residency program this cycle. For more details, go down below and check it out, and we can definitely help you through this residency application process. And this is the process that we're going to be talking about today for orthodontics. Today, we're joined by Dr. Christina, who's going to tell us all the things about ortho, why she chose ortho as a residency program, uh, how she prepared her application, the number of programs, why she selected those programs, the interview day, uh, and some advice and tips for uh, applicants as well. So let's jump into it. Uh, and also make sure that you're staying all the way through so the entire length of the uh, of the episode so that you don't miss some of the good nuggets that Dr. Christine is going to be uh, be sharing with us. So let's get started. Let's brush it up. Doc, how you doing? Good, good. Thank you, Dr. Darwin, for having me. I'm happy to be here and share a little bit more about my experience. It's perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's been a while. I know we've been trying to link up uh, since dental school and finishing school and then yeah. moving to New York and then... Trying this, to make that, it work, that, trying to make yeah. it happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So please uh, introduce and also tell a little bit more about yourself for people who are meeting you for the, uh, for the first time. Yeah, thank you. My name is Dr. Christina Aponte. I am originally from Rochester, New York. Went to college in Buffalo. Went to dental school at Meharry Medical College over in Nashville, Tennessee. And like Dr. Darwin was saying, I'm a PGY1 at Bronx Care for Orthodontics. And... Yeah, new to, new to New York City, and it has its own host of uh, the ups and downs, and uh, especially with Ju July 4th is right around the corner, so everyone's shooting off fireworks for like two weeks, so it's been it's been hectic trying to settle in, but we're making it work, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, welcome to the other part, the other New York. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, two different New Yorks, uh, so it's been fun, it's been fun finding our little places here, but uh yeah, I'm, I'm happy to share a little bit more about my journey and yeah. why orthodontics and where we are today. Um, for yeah, why, me, so why ortho? Yeah, yeah, why ortho for you? So in dental school, I mean, I, like many other applicants, uh, I had my own host of, you know, personal reasons with orthodontics. And I had gone to the orthodontist, loved it, shadowed there, loved that he was constantly on the go. Um, but when I started dental school, I really wanted to stay away from being so narrow-minded and so... Um, 
stuck to one specialty when I hadn't even seen my own patients. So, uh, you know, your first two years, very didactic heavy. Um, but once we got into the clinic, it really became apparent that going towards the, this pathway of orthodontics, but it just made more sense to me. And then also when starting dental school about six months prior, I had jaw surgery twice. So had it in the beginning of January, three months, or excuse me, three weeks later, you know, we're going to have to go back in. We have to redo a few things. And so that next, you know, the next months to follow, it was a lot of, you know, um, gosh, when I look in the mirror, I don't recognize this person anymore. You know, what, what did I, how, why did I get here? How come no one told me this before? Did I, did they tell me when I was little and I just forgot? And all of a sudden here I am with this new face and the, there's the oral surgery component and there's the orthodontic component. And for me, it really became clear that pursuing and being part of that team on the orthodontic side was incredibly enticing. And I'd love to offer my support from a personal standpoint to other other people that needed the same procedure. Wow. So, that's, yeah. a great, yeah. that's a great story. That sounds like a research project right there. And, you know, it, it really leads you down a couple of <laughs> rabbit holes uh, at 2 a.m. You're Googling, you know, oh, my gosh, what is this? And what is this? And, you know, even talking about my own personal case, why was there a relapse? Why didn't it go correct? Or why didn't it go right? Why didn't it go as planned? And um, when I would go talk uh, to other faculty, uh, these externships, and when I was shadowing, they're like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry, that, that rarely ever happens. I'm like, well, it happened to me, you know? Right. Uh, <laughs> so if not me, then who? So that's really why we're here. And uh, the learning curve is steep. Yeah. But we're, we're just day by day. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, everyone has their own story as to why a particular specialty, uh, you know, lots of times for ortho, it is, you know, that fascination of getting braces yeah. and the, so the social acceptances yeah. and then, yeah. In your case, also the uh, the treatment modalities and how things worked mm -hmm. or didn't work and just impeach your interest even more. So, yeah, cool, cool. Well, you know, before you become a PGY1 ortho resident, you got to apply. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your process of how you put together your application. Um, it'd be yeah. interesting to hear about that as well. Yeah, so. It's, it's pretty clear, you know, when you talk to faculty and when you talk to the program director and, up, and upper class and people who have met, there are certain components and criteria that they're looking at. You have your GRE score, you have letters of recommendation. Did you go on externships? Did you complete research projects? Uh, what does your CV look like? And uh, what does your GPA look like? However, you will meet everybody under the sun that did not meet those criteria. They did not check off those boxes. And they have their own path into orthodontics. So it's, it's, it's frustrating as an applicant because you're willing to, to do what it takes. But if there's no clear idea of what it takes, it can put you in a difficult spot. Hey, this is Dr. Darwin, your new dentist coach. Hey, look, it's residency time. It's residency application time. And the biggest question that a lot of people have is how do I prepare my application? So look, if you're struggling, in getting your information together, your CV, your personal statement, or you're ready but not prepared for your interviews, reach out to me ASAP, right? Right through my group, Dental Residency Headquarters. We can help you. We can help you get ready for this residency cycle so that you're able to do this. We want you to match, match into residency cycle this, this year, all right? But you got some work to do. If you need some help, 
with that application. Shoot me an email at newdentistcoach at gmail.com. Newdentistcoach at gmail.com. And through our program called Get Into Dental Residency, we can help you. We can help you. But you got to hurry up because residency application is right now. It's right now. So shoot me an email right now. All right, let's get back to this episode. So for me, trying to, I'm like, okay, first things first, a research project. I wanted to specifically conduct a research project as it pertained to orthodontics. And that could be, you know, airway management. That's a, a, a rising subset of, of orthodontics. Uh, oral facial pain, the same, uh, TMD, the same. Um, and a lot of faculty had some pushback with that, both at my institution and other institutions. You, know, you, don't, you don't need to do an orthodontic pro- project in orthodontics. But I, again, going back to feeling like I was checking off those boxes, I was very tired of, you know, same thing in applying to dental school. I was tired of doing something just because I thought that I had to do it. I thought, you know, whether this leads me into matching in orthodontics or not, I need to do something that makes me feel fulfilled. And uh, it's very tiring feeling like you're doing things just to impress somebody else. I mean, you you have to do a certain number of, uh, you have to reach a higher level by putting in the extra work to, to impress that admissions committee. But at the same time, uh, you still have to do something that kind of fills your soul. So for me, that's where... That's what led me down that road. And I think people can get pretty bogged down if faculty at their institution does not offer a project that piques their interest. But I, I'm, I really wanted to share, you know, why not when you go home for the summer, when you go home for winter break, planning that out, seeing is there a faculty doing a, conducting a project that I could kind of hop in on for one month, three months, depending on how long that break is. Uh, but then also nearby institutions, if it's not a dental school, is there, for example, for us, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's right there. They have a whole craniofacial team there. Perhaps I can pop in on a Friday afternoon or whatever the case is. I think you need to be a little bit creative about how uh, you kind of, you tackle each of those criteria. Um, LinkedIn was a, a very helpful tool as well because then you see, oh, there's this orthodontist who he has his practice, but again, once, uh, one Friday every month, he goes to Vanderbilt and he works with their craniofacial team. Maybe I shadow him at his office and see if he, there's some room for me. Um, that was a big thing that helped. I would say one at eh, one out of five times someone would actually respond on LinkedIn. People are busy. Not everybody checks in their LinkedIn and it's not, don't be discouraged. There's, there are people who are willing to, to put in that extra time to help mentor and, and allow you to shadow. Um, and then when you are looking to see who are you shadowing, how, you know, how are you spending the little free time that you have, perhaps, you know, so-and-so has this office nearby you or nearby home, you shadow them, you get to know them, they get to know you, and they graduated from an orthodontic program that you're very interested in, perhaps asking them for that letter of recommendation if, you know, there's a positive relation there and they can, they can write something positive on your behalf. I think that that, you know, there's so much to look at in an application. And so when an admissions committee is looking through all of who you are, certain things stick out. And if we are University of Michigan and we see somebody who graduated from our school, we're going to, we're looking at that applicant just a little bit deeper. Um, And so again, talking about letters of recommendation, 
diversifying that pool. I think that people can get stuck with having letters from just their institution and that's perfectly fine because those are the people that know you the best. But again, when there's so much to look at and there's so many well-qualified applicants, you're trying your absolute best to stick out. And you're selling yourself short if you, you're not, if you forget about so-and-so who you used to, to work with during undergrad or whatever the case is uh, that happened to graduate from these programs. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Good points. Yeah. Good points. Yeah. I think the one that uh, stuck, stuck out for me was the LinkedIn networking as far as, as, you know, as a source of, of your application and being able to look for opportunities to connect with people uh, for research, for uh, and more information, and then the, the and then the second one was the diversifying of your diversification of your letters of recommendation because you know you may be at an institution that doesn't have ortho. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, like you said, being able to know what's in your in catchment area, so to speak, but also. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe back home where you're from or your undergrad institution, there may be an opportunity where you can go home and, and put some really strong components together to really enhance your application so it stands out. So uh, some really great yeah. points there as well. So now you've got your application together, but also part of that is getting your list of schools together uh, so that you know where to send your application out to, right? So tell us yeah. a little bit about your thought process as to, all right, I'm going to do ortho, started my application. I need to send these, this application out to people, out to programs. Tell us a little bit about your mindset about how you determine which programs to, to, uh, to apply to. Did it, and it, did it have anything to do with uh, current residents that were maybe that you knew or came from your school? Was it geographical? Was it based on research? Let's explore that as well. Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, I would say talk to your upperclassmen. Uh, the upperclassmen at uh, Meharry always say, um, oh, I'm going to butcher the, the, what they always say. <laughs> it's like something, um, quiet mouths never get fed. That's an expression. And they say it all the time, and now I'm forgetting it. But uh, yeah, close, you know, it is a close mouths. Close mouth. Thank you. Don't get I'm fed. like, what is it? <laughs> I'm like, empty mouth. No, close mouth. Don't get fed. And that they harped on that, and they're right because you know they're a wealth of resources. They 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 know so much. They've been through the process. Mm -hmm. And what I most importantly want to share is just understanding the cost of how much of of the application cycle. You'll never know. I mean, gosh, with the COVID pandemic, you know, are you doing, are they conducting Zoom interviews? Is it in person? And a lot of programs actually stuck with doing the, the Zoom interview style as well. So you really never know. It's hard to anticipate that part, but at least knowing how much it's going to cost to apply per school. Mm -hmm. So um, I did not do that. I just applied uh, to 17 schools and it was probably, let's say starting to apply May, June. And then right around November, you start looking around like, okay, how am I going to make it home for the holidays? Because <laughs> we exerted everything. So Right. Um, ortho or do I go home? Ortho or do I right, go home? Right, right. <laughs> Very, you know, fair points. And you don't and you right around the corner you have boards and uh licensure. And so that was uh 
a lot of hurdles to jump through there, uh, even working part-time in school. But um, yeah, so 17 schools. Um, but then at a certain point uh, in July, I had seen July or August, I had seen on Student Doctor Network that like uh, maybe 15, 20 programs had released interviews and I didn't get any. So I freaked out and I added six schools. So again, uh, I, the way I perceive that is, or the way I perceive the entire application process is you're putting your everything on the line. You are, it is an investment, yes, and I know that every applicant knows that, but you, you are mentally strained, financially strained, emotionally strained. I remember the first time I sent out my application to, to one school, it was like one school, you had to mail it in, and I'm, it was like the most, draining afternoon because you want everything to be perfect but then from there it kind of just gets easier um but yes i and even on one of my interviews the the i think that the the resident was trying to see how many schools we applied to and and kind of get a feel out but he said i applied to 20 schools and if i could go back even knowing that i got in that i matched i would apply to more uh that's not how everybody perceives the process but i'm you know again just sharing my experience um, and then as far as which schools I wanted to, the, which schools I was looking at and why, location was a big thing. Moving to the Southeast uh, was a wonderful experience. I learned so much about myself and about uh, a different area of the country, but I knew that that wasn't, some, that wasn't where I wanted to stay. So at Meharry, a lot of students stayed in the Southeast. So it was difficult to say, well, you know, I kind of have to branch out and see, uh, go places where Meharians haven't always gone. So with that in mind, it was reaching out to upperclassmen. Where else did you apply? Where else did you interview at? Because I want to, just to get a taste of the culture at a different program. So that was, that was very helpful for sure. Yeah. And that's, yeah. and that's a good point that, you know, utilizing your resources, most notably the current residents in certain programs that have been uh, or, or, or those that have been uh, former grads of, at your school or friends at other schools, where they're at, you know, where they're at currently or where they graduated from is, is also a great, great resource. Uh, and it helps to fill in the gaps. There's a lot of gaps sometimes yeah. in getting information about programs and being able to speak to current residents or uh, recent completers of the program really, really helps you to uh, develop and, and or narrow down your list of, uh, of schools and programs. Now you okay. mentioned uh, interviews, and, which is a great segue because, you know, again, uh, there's in-person and then there's virtual and uh, programs will, will probably will continue to do a little bit of both this upcoming cycle. Tell us a little bit more about your interview days, what they were like, and if you had any any questions that maybe were unique or that you were like, hey, wait a minute, I think they're going to ask me that one, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so <laughs> there was one particular program where the, the, they really wanted to get a good feel of who you were on a, on a deeper level. And um, questions kind of varied between you know, what qualities do you think you have from your parents? Or, you know, what did you want to be if you weren't a dentist? Uh, on the fly, designing a research project, they gave you a scenario and you had, they had 
you had to define, you know, the independent, dependent, the controls, the confounding factors. Like they were really testing, you know, okay, yeah, you love research, you're great. Can you actually do it on the fly? Do you understand what you're talking about? Um, uh, da, da, da. They really, it was almost like kind of examining your psyche because residency, much like dental school, uh, it's rigorous, yes, but it also has a, you know, you're pushing yourself to, to a new height. You're now a specialist and you have to act like it. You have to talk like a specialist, walk like a specialist. You have, And when there's a million things going on, you still have to keep your composure. So I think that they were trying to see, you know, okay. It just felt like they were trying to get a feel of like uh, childhood trauma kind of thing. And that, I was not expecting that. I was, uh, you're really you have a face on and so when you they start talking about like when you were growing up you know what were some difficulties or you know they really wanted to get a whole glimpse of your of your story so that was strange uh another same program a different interviewer on zoom asked me to share my screen uh and draw a circle the best that i could and then solve for a particular angle using sokotoa and something else on a different uh grid that he had provided on his screen it was just Again, <laughs> what? I remember my Sokotoa. I do, but I was—it was just—I was caught so off guard that it was like, uh, uh, you know, you just right. don't expect that at all. Right. Um, That's why I'm coming to, to the program, Doctor Smith, because I need to learn how that is. I—I I don't know. Yeah, exactly. So, so that was strange. But um, as far as the interviews in person, what helped me a lot for the just prepping for the interview was going on externships. Now, who knows, there could be another pandemic and that could prohibit students from, from, from going to those on-site visits. But in the meantime, um, I found that externships were very helpful because you, know, you pick out your outfit and it's basically your interview day outfit as well. And you know, you, that day you're gonna find out where your shoe's uncomfortable. It was, you know, the pants just didn't fit right. You want to make sure that on interview day, you are confident, you are prepared. You don't need to be worrying about blisters from your new shoes. So I found that that was helpful, but also the residents and the faculty, they're going to be asking you uh, more in-depth questions. So I was prepared on interview day and I felt very prepared on, on all my interviews um, because I had already answered those questions. And on top of that, because you're in an, on an externship, they're not afraid to ask you to keep probing further. And so, for example, um, I had uh, one faculty member ask me, you know, oh, what type of patients do you want to see? I said, oh, I want to see orthognathic cases because of my personal, you know, experiences. And he said, well, you know, those cases are rarely covered under insurance. And then, you know, cases like that, like they can't afford those services on their own. They can't, they're not, they can't self-pay. So then what do you do? So he was asking me a question that I just didn't have an answer to. And he knew I didn't have an answer to it. <laughs> but on interview day, I had an answer. Yeah. You know? And hopefully part of your answer was, well, it's required by CODA for the <laughs> program. So I'm sure you all figure it, figure it out to make sure the residents yeah. and the oral surgery residents have those experiences. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but basically saying, you know, there's, there's, a, there's so many different components. Yeah. Uh, do you know about them, Doc? You know, do you? Right. And I didn't. Right. But it's the best place to be learning them. Yeah. And that's, relax, a, yeah. And that's a great segue to being able to ask them those questions 
for your next interview, but also to get to gain and get that information about that program right then and there, because that will help you as you're taking your notes and eventually have to come up with your rank list. It'll help you decide whether or not this is the program that you want to be a part of, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Having those questions uh, answered helps a lot. So uh, answering those questions and you having questions for them leads you to the next step, which is, all right, I got all my interviews done and now I got to go back. <laughs> I got to go through my notes <laughs> and I got to put these 17, six programs, five, whatever programs together in order, right? One mm -hmm. through five, one through six, one through 10, whatever it is. So let's talk a little bit about that process because I'm sure, and this happens every year, every program, whether it's specialty gen or GPR, whatever, that what you started off with as far as your top program and your fifth program, probably during the, the process of your interviews, probably changed. Five might have gone to two, two might have gone to one, one might have gone to three. Talk, talk a little bit about how you put together your, your rank list. Yeah, um, I think first and foremost, like you said it best, my, my number one ended up being my last one. Uh, and with that in mind, be careful when you're sending out those thank you emails. Because if you say I had a, such a positive experience, you're not allowed to say, you know, I'm ranking you number one. You're not. Don't say that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I had such a positive experience. I, I want to rank you highly. There's certain verbiage that uh, Google was really helpful with finding mm -hmm. what's okay to say. But um, that program was not a top choice for me. And I, you know, you're at that point, I'm embarrassed and, uh, you know, I uh, felt like I lied. I felt like I cheated myself out of the program that I really did want to send that to and share that with. But um, a big, again, location, that was a big thing for me. Where would I end up? And I was moving with my boyfriend. And so what's a place where we can both feel like we could call home? Um, a big thing was also finding a, having a program near a uh, hotspot airport. So of course, flying in and out of New York City is a lot easier once you're actually at the airport than it is versus like, some other some other cities in the country so that was a big thing and then the cost of the program mm -hmm. i think you know once i, I start talking to, to people who are really interested in the process um they think oh you're in new york city you know so glamorous and great i'm like well yeah but there are sacrifices involved with that my program is is paid but the alternative is you know you could end up at a different program where you're paying anywhere between 80 to $130,000 a year for yeah. three years. I know, I know that, yeah. I know that that's a, that's the largest, that is the largest ortho program in the country where you are paying, you are yeah. paying them. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. Yep. And it's like dental school payment all over. <laughs> right. And then, you know, you, you start thinking, okay, well, I'm, this is how old I am now. Eventually I want a house and a driveway to park my car <laughs> in for crying out loud. I want a and bed like, to sleep in. <laughs> I would love a bed, you know, some food in the fridge. And so it, that's a hard, that's hard to swallow. And, uh, right, you know, right. people say, people make comments, well, you must not want to be an orthodontist about that. Sure. But I, I'm, I, it's a, it's a selfless thing. You're thinking about other people in your own little, in your tribe and your support system. Right. Um, so that was definitely a factor. Uh, and then life in that area. How did the residents make me feel? Did I feel welcomed by them? Were they rude? Were they pretentious? Were they 
uh, incredibly intelligent and we have insightful conversation. Um, and yeah, I, that was hard because I, there are programs that I, I didn't list as my number one, but I loved the residents. I felt like I was letting them down, you know, uh, but, you know, going to on conferences, like going to conferences, the AAO to, to going to tweet, you know, you, you'll see those residents again. Um, I mean, it's nice to, to catch back up and you're really, you're going towards the same goal. You're on the same team. And so it's nice to um, make those relationships on the interview trail, both with applicants and residents, because you will see them again. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you bring up a very important point, which is, you know, your list and your program order will change over the process. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that you said you're one was not number one after your interviews is, yeah. uh, is a testimony to that. But it's also important to highlight what you said, which is, you, you know, only you know what's going to be the best program for you. Um, and, and even though you may like the residents, uh, it's also important that you have to like the program because you're going to be there for uh, two or three years. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's and that's key. So, you know, at the end of the day, it does have to come out. It has to come out the way that's going to work best for you. Yeah. Uh, first and yeah. foremost. Right. Um, so I think if people have been listening all the way through, which I think you guys have. But in case you didn't, we're going to now reveal where Dr. Christina matched. Where she matched. <laughs> where she matched. So after all that hard work, research, putting your application together, traveling uh, virtually for your for your interviews, doing some externships, uh, listening and and telling programs why you share with us where you have taken your your ortho talents to for your uh, ortho program. Yeah, yeah. So I'm at Bronx Care, uh, housed in the Bronx. There you go. And <laughs> so it's nice where you know we'll we'll hop in on Zoom calls with St. Joseph uh, and once a month for craniofacial conferences to kind of diversify even more the type of patients that we see. Uh, it is a hospital-based program. So with yep. that in mind, I, I knew, okay, self-paced uh, will be the type of the, the learning modem here, but that is, a, like I said, a very steep learning curve. Advice yeah. for anyone applying, you know, if you match, start reading profit. <laughs> Just start reading profit. You don't have to understand it all. Right. No one expects you to. But at least to start getting the like their vocab, the verbiage, yeah, in your system, so it's not so foreign. Profit, profit, you guys. You, you if you don't, <laughs> if you don't remember it, or if you haven't gotten to it, or you forgot, if you're applying to ortho, uh, you need to go back to it, uh, ASAP. And that's a great segue for tips. Knowing what you know now in this whole process, uh, in addition to you, well, you just gave us one great tip, which is. Uh, once you get into ortho, get into a program, or even in preparation for your interviews, knowing some of those angles <laughs> that are yeah. in the profit book. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have been a wor the worst idea. Right, would not have been, been. Right. Been nice. depending yeah. on what program you go, you get interviews from. Someone may just be clever enough to ask you one of those <laughs> questions. You're like, huh? Yeah. I can spell yeah. profit, but I don't know everything that's in the book. But anyway, tips and advice for those applicants that are going through this process right now, what, what would you say? So every program will ask you at some point, uh, 
and even you can put in your personal statement, they're going to ask you why this program. Um, and a lot of students were saying, myself included, oh, I, I'm interested in this program because of the population living in the area. I, I'm Hispanic. I, I believe that there, that I, there's a need to close that gap as far as the language barrier and I'm able to do so. And that's an important thing for me to continue doing in my ortho residency. Another thing was complex cases. I want to see everything under the sun. And their response to that was very straightforward. It was, okay, well, you're going to get that any, at any program. So what else are you looking for? So my advice would be to not say either of those answers and to also, to also develop your own answer, to really customize it to what you really are looking for. Uh, walk away from your computer, give yourself some time to reflect um, because you do have an answer and it doesn't have to be a cookie cutter answer because I promise you when you start speaking from what you actually feel, like uh, this city, I was walking actually I was here in the city a few months ago and I was walking down the streets and I just felt like this was a place I could call home. That was like, that's an example of something that they're like, oh, this person has really given thought to what life would like, life would be like while they're here. Uh, another thing was they really wanted students willing to go above and beyond to advocate on behalf of the orthodontic profession. Everybody knows that there's a million different Facebook ads and all this, uh, non-orthodontic resident sort of uh, appliances that people can mail in for. And I don't think in dental school or, you know, people just not in the dental profession at all, I don't think that they're educated on making the right decisions for their own oral health. Uh, so I think that there's definitely a need for orthodontists to step in and start advocating, working down the pipeline. And that's something that we talked about a lot during interviews. And also, lastly, with leadership roles. I know that that's not for everybody. Uh, but I know, you know, as the SNBA, again, not everybody is interested in something like that. But there are modems to uh, pursue some sort of uh, route in advocacy. For example, states like New York, North Carolina, Nevada, they love when dental students want to attend the dental association meetings. They love when they love bringing students in, hey, have a seat at the table. That's that's their thing. And so those are the, the, the Colorado even as well. So, yeah. so why not chime in? Yeah. Yeah, those, those are great. Yeah, those are important. And every program is going to be different. Uh, but it will reflect upon you as a candidate uh, as to how, you know, what you, how are you going to advocate and how are you going, what are you going to bring to our specialty, to our, to yeah. our profession? because you will have to contribute. That's part of your, your duty, your responsibility, and your obligation as a board certified orthodontist to make contributions to the ortho uh, specialty as well. Man, these have been some good stuff. I hope you guys stayed all the way through because uh, Dr. Christina was dropping some gems here. Uh, Doc, what's the best way to get in contact with you? People have questions or they just yeah, want to connect yeah. with you. Yeah, of course. I, I'm happy to do so. I'm happy to connect. My Instagram is Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A. Then my last name, A-P-O-N-T-E. So no spaces, no hyphens. Uh, feel free to, any, at any time, just send me a message with any questions. I'm happy to help out in any way that I can. Um, and I'm excited. I'm excited for the future of the orthodontic profession. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're excited. 
that you're excited and that you are having a good time your first month in, in ortho uh, and and definitely what you shared today is, has been very helpful uh, for many people so thank you so much guys hopefully these uh, episodes and these videos here will be helpful as well and uh, guess what that's our time love peace and smiles we'll see you on the next video see you next week thanks Doc. thank you Hope you liked that one. It was a favorite of mine as well. Stay tuned as we have more episodes just like that. Until then, love, peace, and smiles. See you next time.